You're listening to Pros Like Us, brought to you by NFL Draft Blitz. And now, without any further ado, here's Alex and Lou. Hello, Pros Like Us Nation. We are back, and better than last week, we hope. It's Turkey Day week, week 12 of the NFL. I'm Lou. He's Alex, as always. We're here. We got a lot to get to. So, uh, well, first off, Alex, how you doing? What's what's going on over there today? I'm doing well. It's, uh, it's Thanksgiving week. It's about traveling. It's about visiting family and, and friends and Hopefully it's it's gonna be it's gonna feel like a normal year, even though it's not a normal year. But I want people to feel that as they sit around their tables and and eating turkey. But you know what? The the Colts showed on Sunday that they're for real by by beating the Packers in overtime. They they were down by 14 points at halftime, Lou, and they clawed their way back. I mean, the defense held the Packers to. Only three points in the second half, and and that's saying a lot, holding Aaron Rodgers and the Packers to three points. And then the Texans, I mean, they did beat the Patriots. I was wrong about that. You made the pick, and I mocked it. I remember I mocked it. And like you said, I mean, Watson will have some of that magic, and, and he did, and he's playing lights out. He beat the New England Patriots. And one final point I want to make in this intro is just how lucky the Chiefs fans are to to watch Patrick Mahomes' mastery every week. And it is mastery, Lou. Because I remember watching in the 1990s, we all watched Elway for the Denver Broncos. We watched Marino for the Miami Dolphins. They, They had those comebacks. And Patrick Mahomes was just so calm, poised, and collected on that last drive when the Chiefs were down. And that two-minute drive was just, it was masterful against the Raiders. And the Chiefs were down, and he brought them back. And I just want to remind folks, enjoy the ride while it lasts. And it's you're probably going to have them, hopefully, for another 10 to 12 years. And it's just, it's going to be an amazing ride, and just enjoy it. The Chiefs, by the way, this week, Bavada Sportsbook has the Kansas City Chiefs. They're getting uh, minus three and a half points versus the Bucks. I want to get your thoughts. I mean, the Bucks are down. The Kansas City Chiefs are coming off a huge win. You think Tom Brady is gonna is gonna bounce back here? Well, you you would think so. I mean, he, he typically. I mean, if history has taught us anything, I mean, he, he normally follows up. Uh, a really bad game with a pretty good game. Now, again, this is a much older Tom Brady, and it's these bad games seem to be happening a little bit more often. But again, it's the first year with this team. So it's hard to say what you're going to get because some weeks they look great. Now, the Chiefs defense has been pretty suspect the last few weeks giving up some big points. I mean, Carolina, they gave up 31. They gave up you know, a bunch of points to the Raiders and you know, had to, like you said, uh, Mahomes had to, had to like save them from the ashes there. Being favored on the, this isn't one of the games that I pick, and I think I've probably said it before. I typically don't use the Chiefs in, in the pick segment, and it's just uh, I don't want to look like a, a homer or anything. But this is kind of a, a tough spot for them, I think. Again, going on the road, being a favorite, Tampa really played a, a decent. 
they looked awful, but there was only a three-point game. Everybody's celebrating the Rams for doing what they did, and they did, but it was a pretty close game, and they still had a chance. Two minutes left. Brady with the ball, and years ago, he would have been one of those guys that you were talking about, like Elway or Marino, to, you know, to save the team at the end, but he just isn't able to do it with this crew. They still don't have that, that mesh, if you would, that knowing the, the, you know, the nuances and how to run certain routes and, you know, what he, where he's going to throw the ball or he's just chucking it deep for some reason and and it's just not working. But uh, yeah, it should be a good game. I mean, if I had to pick something, I would go over the total. I think Bovada had it at uh, like 57. That number probably keep going up because I think there's just going to be a ton of points scored, but long time Chiefs fan again, I'm sure fans get uh, sick of hearing me say that, but I appreciate Mahomes like no other because I've seen the other part of it. I've been on the other end of a lot of those Elway comebacks or Marino or, or whoever happened, whoever it happened to be. They never, ever could get that um, top-of-the-line quarterback, and here we have him, and God bless him and pray for his uh, health and just keep chucking it, Patrick. And uh, we'll be good. But uh, yeah, if I had to pick the game, I'd go. I have to go with the Chiefs. That's just my heart. Better in me, using my head, I would go over on this game. Well, the Chiefs' defense has been suspect. I mean, Derek Carr looked like a a top three quarterback, and I don't know what it is about Carr facing off against the Chiefs this year, but he's just putting up his his best numbers right. against them. Absolutely, and. Uh, and you know the Bucks are going to try to keep Mahomes on the sideline. They're going to try to run the football with Ronald Jones and, and Leonard Fournette. They're going to try to control that clock. And they, they need to get back into that. It's not all about Brady throwing to those receivers. It's about controlling the clock and controlling the game and, and keeping the explosive Chiefs offense on the sideline. Should be an exciting game. Let, let's talk about another team that's been lights out this year they haven't lost a game lou and i'm talking about the steelers they're the only unbeaten team in the nfl against the jaguars they held them to a season best 206 yards and only three points i realize that it's the jacksonville jaguars but it leads me to my question how good are the steelers it's obvious just you look at the defensive side of the ball. I mean, they have playmakers at every level. Uh, we'll be talking about uh, Defensive Player of the Year here shortly, so I don't want to get too far into into the woods. So spoiler alert, but you got somebody like T.J. Watt and Bud Dupree coming off the edges. Tuit is having a tremendous year. Terrell Edmonds is, is, is really improved on the back end. Uh, you know, Minka Fitzpatrick is Minka Fitzpatrick, you know, making plays. I mean, they, they lead the league in sacks. This team always has had a good defense. Last year, they were a great defense as well. You just didn't know it because the offense was such uh, in such shambles with using four different quarterbacks. You include, you know, Ben, but, you know, without Ben, it was just how they did what they did with those guys, you know, Duck Hodges for the most part was just incredible. Hats off to the coaching staff, hats off to to the rest of the offensive players. It's that defense that gives you that okay, this is a really really good team. And Ben, it, the only question mark was okay, can he just come back even at 80% of himself? I think is going to 
take this team to the next level. Now, did we think they were going to be undefeated? Did I think they were going to be undefeated? No, not at all. You would, no one ever predicts you know a team to go undefeated. And they've had their struggles. I mean, that game in Dallas, the game in Baltimore. But they make enough plays to win. And that's when they need Ben at the end of games to make those smart decisions, get the ball in the right people's hands. They've got a three-headed monster at wide receiver, James Conner. So this is a really, really good team. I think as the offense starts to catch up a little bit, they're going to be a very dangerous team in the playoffs. And they, they deserve to be where they're at. By the way, I mean, we talked about Thanksgiving and normalcy. This is the normalcy of 2020. I'm hearing that uh, that game just got pushed to Sunday because of uh, some COVID issues with the, with the Ravens and a potential outbreak. They didn't say what time of day the game was going to be or how you're going to be able to watch it, but that game will not be played uh, Thursday night. Yeah, and according to Bovada, the, the Steelers are a five-and-a-half-point favorite versus the Ravens. Like Lou mentioned, they were supposed to be playing on Thanksgiving. Now they get pushed back into one of those later games. So you're stuck with what? Cowboys, Washington, the Lions? I mean, against the Texans? Not, I mean, a, that, not, a, a, win, pretty, not a winning record among the group. I mean, that's argue, a pretty arguably brutal. Four, four of the worst teams in the league. Uh, we're talking about. That's a brutal Thanksgiving <laughs> schedule, Lou. I mean, that's like for the true football fans, and there are a lot of them. They, they like to have the turkey or the ham, yeah. and then they like to tune into their football. Well, you know what? It's not exciting. This year's lineup is just not exciting with, with the fact that, you know, the Steelers and the Ravens getting pushed back. Yeah, I mean, that's just, I mean, you got a bunch of teams with high draft picks, more questions than answers. And so from that perspective, it'll be interesting. Uh, maybe one of those games will be in the picks. Uh, but, you know, fantasy football always always keeps things interesting. But, yeah, like you said, like I said, there, there's not a winning record in the, in the group. And uh, we were and I think that was the anticipation is like the, the night game that, you know, Steelers, Ravens. I mean, if there's a, you know, a heated rivalry in the NFL, this is definitely in the top two. Right. If not the 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 most hated, if you would. And last game, I'm sure the Ravens thought that they kind of gave that game away. But uh, two of their running backs aren't aren't available for sure, uh, whether they played on Thursday or Sunday, meaning uh, Dobbins and uh, Mark Ingram both are out. Uh, some coaches have tested positive. they got some other players. I think they're, they're down to their third center. I guess repeat the phrase of this year in an abundance of caution with air quotes. That's the one. They're moving the game to Sunday. So, yeah, I mean, it's just uh, an awful plate. You know what's going to happen now, right, Lou? I mean, the Ravens are going to hand the Steelers their first loss with their third-string center and, you know, having a couple of their starting running backs out. It just it seems like there, there's drama. Wouldn't surprise me in the here. least. Wouldn't surprise me in I the mean, least. It's the NFL. But do you think at this point, do you think the Steelers are the most complete team? It would be hard to go against them because, like I said, I mean, they can spread the right. They don't, I guess they don't have a true number one receiver. So I guess that's, that would be the thing that I guess on one hand would be scary, but by the same token, I think is comforting because the defense doesn't know, you know, like Ben doesn't have, okay, it's 
third and whatever, and we need a play, yeah, maybe it's Juju, maybe it's Deontay Johnson, maybe it's the, the rookie Claypool, maybe it's the it's the tight end Ebron. I think they're getting Vance McDonald back. So they, they can go so many different ways. So the offense has the potential to become one of the most explosive offenses, but we know they have arguably the best defense in the NFL. So, yeah, I would have to say push comes to shove that they're the most complete team. NFL Defensive Player of the Year kind of let the, the cat out of the bag a little bit. And I guess you're you're going to go with a Steeler linebacker. <laughs> I, I want to hear it from you. Uh, give me a few well, I defensive don't, you know, players. It's no, I don't think anybody that has been watching football this year or has watched any Steeler games or any of the other games, T.J. Watt is just, again, is it a function of the defense that he plays in? Is it the position that he plays? I don't care what it is, but this guy's got 30 quarterback hits. 30. The next closest is Joey Bosa with 18. It's ridiculous, okay? It's a staggering number, Lou. Four, it's a staggering 14 number. 14 tackles for loss, which he's, that puts him second. Roquan Smith has 15. Nine sacks, an interception, six passes defense. When you look at defensive player of the year, I mean, in my mind, you got to find somebody that totally can disrupt the game, commands double teams, and you have to game plan for the guy. The difficult thing is, I mean, go back just to the Steelers as a whole, is you game plan for him, you still got Dupree on the other side. You got to it. So, but as far as an individual thing, Watt would have to be right at the top of the list. Close second. This has been my guy since we had, that's my guy back on Blitzcast back in the day, Aaron Donald from Pitt. Well, now he plays for the Rams, obviously, but I don't think he is ever singled up. If they do, it's a mistake on the offensive line's part, but it's either a, a double team or a triple team. And still, from the inside, he's sacking the quarterback nine times, same as T.J. Watt. He's got 17 quarterback hits, forced a bunch of fumbles, seven tackles for loss, and just like I said, he you you have to know where he is. The quarterback, I'm sure they always pick out the the middle linebacker. You can hear the cadence this year because it's so quiet in the stadiums. But I'm pretty sure somebody is pointing out where the hell is number 99. But uh, I guess third. I mean, we did we did uh, when we went into this. We said we we're going to pick three. Got to give a Cleveland Brown some love, right? A, another super freak of a human playing among freaks, Miles Garrett. Uh, again, I think he fits those three criteria that I mentioned earlier. Tied for the league lead in sacks, he has nine and a half. Tied with uh, Hendrickson from, from New Orleans, who, uh, that's another guy. I mean, I don't think you can put him in this class, but he's having a tremendous year. Garrett, again, seven tackles for loss. He's hit the quarterback 14 times, forced at least four fumbles, a couple of recoveries. And again, now he missed last game due to COVID. I don't know if he's going to play this week. So it may hurt him missing some games. You have to, I think, include him in this conversation. But I think for my money right now, as much as I love Aaron Donald, TJ Watt would be my defensive player of the year right now. Yeah, it's a great list. And uh, it's hard to go wrong with, with any of those guys. Uh, Miles Garrett, by the way, is is not helping his cause. He's going to miss his second straight game this weekend. Yeah, nine and a half sacks. I mean, the the guy has been around the the quarterback every year, and he's kind of had to 
you know, after that incident against the Steelers last year, right? I mean, a lot of people have beef with Miles Garrett, especially from opposing teams, and he had to kind of resurrect himself a little bit. And I guess he's done more of that on the field. He's been showing people that, hey, I am that number one pick that the Cleveland Browns selected a few years back. I am the heart and soul of that defense, and he is a major reason why the Cleveland Browns sit where they sit right now. They're 7-3 and three right now. It's amazing. A lot of people picked the Browns last year, and then we all know how that ended up, right? I mean, Baker Mayfield let them down. Freddie Kitchens let them down. This year, you and I talked about it sporadically on previous shows, but they got their guy in Kevin Stefanski, and not many people were on their bandwagon this year because they were scared. They were like too many personalities, and, you know, Baker hasn't thrown a pick in the last three games. He hasn't thrown a touchdown either, but they're winning games, and, you know, the Cleveland Browns are, are looking like, a team that's going to make the playoffs this year. Are you on board with the Cleveland Browns in the playoffs? The way things look right now, I mean, if the Ravens keep playing the way they are, absolutely. As long as Baker stays within what he's been doing, limiting him kind of trying to win the game on his own, I mean, leaning leaning on Chubb, leaning on Hunt, play-action passing game. If he that if we keep getting that Baker, absolutely. It's just when they get in trouble is when, again, I don't think it's so much the calls that they make because that's just, you know, that, that's just their offense, the, a lot of the play-action, a lot of the, the boots. But when they get behind, that's what scares me a little bit. But if they can stay ahead of the sticks – Lean on Chubb, lean on Hunt. Like I said, I think absolutely they can certainly get in the playoffs, especially since uh, we've expanded, uh, the NFL's expanded to a seventh team. As far as Defensive Player of the Year award, I mean, you covered the my top three guys as well, but I'll throw in Jalen Ramsey in there as well. I mentioned him last week just because he shut down Metcalf and He's continuing his strong play. He's, people aren't throwing in his direction. And he had some success this weekend as well um, on Monday night against the Bucks receivers. He played safety at Florida State, so he's not afraid to, to stick his nose in there and tackle people. He's always going to talk trash. And Stephon Gilmore won Defensive Player of the Year last year with the Pats. And it's not out of the question if Ramsey continues to kind of erase his side of the field and if he gets a, a few more interceptions thrown his way, if people decide to test him, it's not out of the question that he's going to be in this conversation as well. So I'll put him in there because I've always been a fan of Jalen Ramsey when he was with the Seminoles, when he went to the Jags. The Jags obviously felt like he wasn't going to be that face of the franchise for them and when the Rams were willing to give up two first-round picks. It was too good for for Jacksonville to pass up. You mentioned Watt. You mentioned Donald. You know, we, we threw Miles Garrett in there. I think Ramsey deserves to be in the conversation as well. Absolutely. You know, it's just difficult. And again, it was that's the surprise that uh, Gilmore was actually able to win it last year because it seems like the MVPs become the quarterback award. It seems like... The Defensive Player of the Year has become the Pass Rusher Award. 
You know, if you're getting a lot of interceptions, usually that means they're throwing the ball at you a lot. Whereas some of these guys, they just avoid them, like you said, and uh, that cannot be measured. So a lot of times that, that kind of gets swept under. But obviously last year the voters didn't feel that way. So, yeah, Jalen Ramsey, absolutely got to throw him in there. We all know that the New York Jets and the Jacksonville Jaguars and most likely Washington football team, those teams will address the quarterback position in the top five, top seven picks. Uh, they're going to go after those those big names that you and I have mentioned before, the, the Trevor Lawrence and the Justin Fields and the, the Trey Lance. But there are always a few teams that are drafting in the 20s that are willing to come up and possibly trade up or stay back and, and get their guy in the latter half of the draft. Who are those teams this year looking to address the quarterback position that are drafting late in the 2021 NFL draft? Well, some of them actually show up in the teens. You know, you said, you know, Fields and Lawrence, you know, I don't think there's any question those guys are going in the top five. Then you've got guys like you mentioned Trey Lance, Zach Wilson from BYU. Now, some of these other kids are going to get pushed up. You guys do the, the draft show all the time, and maybe you could uh, shed some light on whether Kyle Trask gets moved up, Mac Jones from Alabama gets moved up, Jamie Newman, who opted out. You know, that's probably not doing him a lot of favors right now down in Georgia, but uh, he could potentially get pushed up. But as far as the teams, I mean, you got Detroit at 11. Yes, they have Matt Stafford, and I guess I'm not looking specifically at, at the money on, on a lot of these. I, ha- I didn't look into that, but some of these guys, you know, potentially 12, San Francisco uh, with Garoppolo. New England's at 13 right now. Now, obviously, this is going to change when wins and losses, but for the sake of argument, you know, is Minnesota going to stick with, uh, with Kirk Cousins? Denver's at 15. <laughs> Are they sold on Drew Locke? Uh, Chicago at 16, no doubt, will more than likely be in the, in the quarterback market. Yeah, there's a bunch of them. Indianapolis at 23. The Jets have the pick 25, but obviously they'll, hit, they'll uh, take care of the quarterback position at number one. Uh, the Steelers at 32, if that's the way it shakes out. I mean, at some point, they got they got to find a replacement for Ben. There's not a lot of teams you can just say, "Hey, we're set at quarterback. We're not we're not moving off of this guy." Yeah, I think it, it's it's very interesting, and I was really intrigued when you brought up the idea, Alex, that uh, that there were teams. And then I'm, as I'm looking at the draft order, I'm thinking, "Hey, you know, you could make a case for any number of these teams going after them." But I guess you know it's a supply and demand type thing, right? The demand obviously is high, but how's the supply? Where where you know Zach Wilson, Mac Jones, Kyle Trask, Jamie Newman, or maybe another name that uh, that you have that you're a little bit uh, closer to. I think it's the obvious names. I think uh, Lawrence Fields, they're definitely going one and two. That's not even up for debate. But then you're going to talk about whether someone is willing to to spend the top 10 pick on a guy like Trey Lance or possibly Zach Wilson because he's got that arm strength. He can fit the ball into a tight spot. So uh, Zach Wilson would be a good fit in Chicago. 
Chicago is is like a prime spot out there at 15. I think Trask eventually will be a first-round pick. I don't think he's going to move up and become the number one overall pick, but I do think he has gained steam. He's definitely a first-round pick right now. So for all those teams like the Steelers, the Indianapolis Colts, maybe even the Tampa Bay Bucks that are hoping to get Kyle Trask and, and groom him to, to become the eventual starter down the line behind those those veteran quarterbacks, I think they're kidding themselves because I think Trask, somebody's going to move up. Somebody's going to trade up for Kyle Trask, and he's going to be taken in the 15 as well. I think we're going to get five quarterbacks in the first round, especially with the quarterbacks doing so well now, Lou. Teams aren't as afraid because if they design a good offensive scheme around them, these guys are able to come in. If they simplify that offensive scheme, they're able to come in and just do what they're doing in college in today's game. Look at those rookie quarterbacks before Joe Burrow went down with an injury. Look at the season that he was having with the with the Cincinnati Bengals, who didn't have a just have a terrible offensive line. Look at Justin Herbert. He's lighting it up right now. We we jinxed Tua a bit on the last show, but hopefully he's going to bounce back. But these quarterbacks are able to come in and just grasp the system. Offensive coaches and the front offices are becoming a lot more in tune with the college game and designing and simplifying things. And I there's no doubt in my mind that five quarterbacks will be taken in the first round. I don't think Mac Jones gets in there. I think he's more of a day three pick. Uh, I think that Alabama system is making him look way better than he actually is. Let's remember, A.J. McCarron was was the same type of quarterback, and he was drafted in the fifth round, a, a career backup. And I do think Mac Jones deserves to be somewhere on day three. So, But Trask is... He's a hell of a prospect. I like his story. I like the fact that he is an emotional leader. He seems to be carrying that team. And, and Florida is in the thick of things right now in, in the SEC and, and pushing to, to get into the college football playoff. So that, that's an interesting story. But there's you mentioned like a half a dozen teams outside of the top five that are in the QB market. Oh, yeah. And it's amazing. It's amazing. I mean, there's there's a lot of them out there. I don't think the Lions are going to pull the plug on Matthew Stafford because of that contract and because of they still believe that they can win around him as long as they get Matt Patricia out of town. And I also think that Kirk Cousins, again, that contract is brutal, and I think he's here to stay for another year, even though you and I understand that he's not the guy that, that's going to take you to the to the promised land and and that's the super bowl out there but it's amazing just so many teams out there that that need young quarterbacks and and this is a good draft Uh, the 2021 nfl draft has a lot of potential franchise quarterbacks well some other names to think about you know you're thinking about first round quarterbacks but how about uh names like darnold garoppolo haskins winston newton Gardner Minshew. Now, obviously, Minshew, I think, to a lesser degree, but those are some names that will probably factor into this equation as well because somebody is, I mean, if the Jets take, you know, 
Lawrence. I mean, what, Darnold's got to be out the door, right? So now all of a sudden, you know, he becomes a player in this. And you never know with San Francisco and, and Garoppolo. Haskins, obviously, I don't know that there's any chance he comes back to Washington. Um, I think Jameis probably would have stuck around until Peyton made the move with uh, Taysom Hill over him to be the backup with uh, Drew Brees being out. And Newton, eh, I, I don't know. I mean, w- will he still be in the league? I, I, don't, I, I think he will be. I don't know that it'll be with New England. And then Jacksonville, if they, you know, if they use the second pick for Fields, uh, then you know, Minshew will be looking for work. Yeah, I mean, not just those first-round guys, but I think these guys could be viable options for some teams. I don't know how they would view them as long-term, but obviously Darnold certainly would be kind of the gem here because he's still young, very talented. Any of these, like Indianapolis, San Francisco, that would just be a tremendous fit, either of those two teams. This week, we've got another big game uh, between the Colts and the Titans, and uh, Bovada has the Colts as a a three-and-a-half-point favorite at home. This is a huge matchup, Lou. You and I haven't been able to get to the AFC South division. Both of these teams are going to make the playoffs, but you know, as well as I do, seeding matters. So who do you have this week between the Colts and the Titans? Which team do you trust the most? Well, it's it, it's not part of the, the picks package, but uh, let's take a look at it. Uh, just from a, a head-to-head spin, let, let's not look at the, the spread or anything like that. I just have, I have, I guess I have a, a soft spot for Tennessee just because of the, the toughness that, that they play with at times. Uh, obviously, you know, we've had some injuries on the offensive line still, you know, without Taylor Lewan playing. But Henry is that hammer. So, I, again, winning in Baltimore, maybe I'm overrating that a little bit just because of the way Baltimore has been playing. I would have to take the points, but if I was pushed to pick the winner, I would say Indianapolis in a, in a close game. You know, the one thing about the Titans that's a little bit different this year is their defense is not as good as it was last year. Last year, it was all about running the football and shutting teams down. That was the blueprint. But after Dean Pease retired, Vrabel took more responsibility. He didn't even name a defensive coordinator there. And I have to say that the Titans have struggled. I think you you can't juggle two things all at once. And I think Vrabel took on a little too much responsibility for himself. And it, it has hurt this team. Tannehill's still playing well. He's limiting his mistakes and he's... You know, he's having success from play action. Derrick Henry has already has over a thousand plus rushing yards on the ground, which is an amazing feat. You mentioned they lost Taylor Luan, their left tackle, and that defense has let them down on a number of occasions. And they've tried to get some quick fixes. Well, you know what? Those quick fixes, they've released Michael Beasley. They've released Jonathan Joseph, the veterans that just didn't cut it anymore. Jadavian Clowney looks like a an atrocious signing for the Tennessee Titans. I'm, I'm glad that they didn't commit too much money to him. He's been injured. He hasn't been that difference maker. So I'll go with the Colts. You and I talked about the Colts last week a little bit, but I'll go with the Colts. They're, they're showing life, and they showed me something, that an elite defense and possibly Jonathan Taylor getting into the swing of things and Michael Pittman... 
becoming Philip Rivers' favorite target. I think that team has the right formula. I'm not sure they'll go far in the playoffs. That's a tough feat. But I do think they'll win this division. They'll win this game. It's a race that's going to come down to the wire. I think it'll come down to that week 17. Hello, top five NFL wide receivers right now. Uh, it's, it's an interesting question. And those wide receivers, they always seem to change every year. So let, let's keep it up to date. Let's keep it factual reality today. <laughs> you mean you don't want me to make anything let, up? Let's not, <laughs> let's not put OBJ in the top five. Oh. You know, we're not living in 2016 or 2017. I think our lists are going to be fairly similar in the top three. I would imagine that our lists are going to be similar in the top three. But I think number four and number five are going to be a little bit a little bit more interesting for our listeners. Go ahead. Surprise me. Give me your top okay. five. Well, first off, I have to preface with the way I looked at it. I mean, I'm thinking, okay, consistency. Somebody that scores the ball. Somebody that when it's third down, this is everybody in the stadium knows this is where the ball is going. Uh, somebody who strikes fear into the defenses. And again, going back to the uh, defensive player of the year, somebody that you have to game plan for. So that I will preface that with this. I had a list of probably about 12 guys that I was trying to whittle down. But uh, right now I, I got to go. These are my five. Devontae Adams, Michael Thomas, DeAndre Hopkins, Julio Jones, Tyree Kill. Had to be a homer with number five, Tyree Kill. Because when I look at strikes fear into a defense, that you have to know exactly where this guy is lining up and which way to slant the defense has to be a double team. He's that guy, and he's still scoring at a, at a huge rate. Guys that I had a really hard time keeping off the list were Keenan Allen. I really like Keenan Allen, but it, but again, it, it has it's not translating into wins. But I think route running and just catching the ball, I mean, just being consistent and being uh, kind of that go-to guy, you have to include him. Mike Evans, Diggs, DK Metcalf. I'll stick with my five, Adams, Thomas, Hopkins, Jones, and Hill. Interesting. You know what's interesting about that list? I kind of thought that we would have a similar top three but i gotta ask you Devonte adams you have him a lot higher than most folks because when we're talking about top three usually you have michael thomas deandre hopkins julio jones Devonte adams is usually that next guy that number four guy so defend it i, I want to well hear because i mean typically the, who's the who's the number two receiver for green bay I don't even care. About that's my that's my point. Story. You don't know. So he he is the guy with that team and Aaron Rodgers, and he still produces week after week after week. And the thing is, the difference between these, there's like slivers, okay? There's not like huge gaps here. So that would be my thing is that he really has not had the luxury, if you would, of having another guy on the other side being a threat or a tight end to speak of. That's why I had to put him above these other guys. According to Bovada, the, the Packers are eight and a half point favorite versus the Bears. 
this weekend. God, the well, Bears let's can't expand score. On, <laughs> God. Let's expand on that, Lou, about Devontae Adams. I'm, I'm curious on this. I mean, Michael Thomas also doesn't have a wide receiver opposite of him. Emmanuel Sanders is not what he used to be, and you can make a case. He hasn't had him. They've really only played together a few games. He hasn't had anybody. He hasn't had anybody either. I mean, they had like Traquan Smith. So I thought still, you know, Michael Thomas would be the top guy. If your argument is we don't know and we don't care who that number two guy is for the Green Bay Packers, everybody knows that Devontae Adams is getting the ball Everybody is double teaming him on every play, so he doesn't get it. I mean, the same argument. Well, the difference goes for the Michael difference Thomas. between those two, I would say, is getting in the end zone, where Adams is much. I mean, obviously, Michael Thomas, the numbers of catches and everything else. But I think, as far as scoring the ball, that would, there would be a slight edge to Adams there. Okay. Well, my five: Michael Thomas at number one. Then I put DeAndre Hopkins at two. Julio Jones at three. Devontae Adams is number four, and I had a real tough debate within myself about the number five spot. I looked at Tyreek Hill. I mean, let's talk about this year. He already has 10 touchdowns. He's been on a tear the last three games. Those explosive plays are just, they're amazing. Mahomes is always looking in his direction to strike. I mean, the Chiefs can... Can, can hit an 80-yard bomb, and that's it. They're they're taking the lead. But I had to go with Keenan Allen at number five just because of his consistency, just because of his route running. He has a knack for getting open. Uh, he's a three-time Pro Bowler. Uh, he's at the top in, in receptions list this season. He had 16 receptions against the Bengals. He is Justin Herbert's favorite target. I pick Keenan Allen over Tyreek Hill just because of the consistency that he's had. If if it wasn't for those injuries, I think Keenan Allen that he's had throughout his career, Allen would be even higher, but he's not. It's tough to put him higher than the, the top four guys that we mentioned earlier. But there are a lot of good wide receivers in the NFL, and uh, I'm surprised, you know, when, when the Raiders pick somebody up like Henry Ruggs with that 12th overall pick uh, when you've got CeeDee Lamb and Jerry Judy and Justin Jefferson and, you know, now Chase Claypool. I mean, Henry Ruggs' pick is just, it's looking worse and worse every week that passes by, and I think it's going to be kind of like that that John Ross pick that we had a few years back by the Bengals at, at number nine. Sometimes teams, a little just fall for that guy that runs a 4-2 and they think that he can duplicate that on the football field but if he's not a good route runner and if he can't get open then who cares about that 4-2 speed well the Raiders certainly are building a team to beat the Chiefs and that's first and foremost you got to win your division right I mean that's just the way it goes so I think that was kind of their answer to Tyree Kill now time will tell if he gets to that point but you know, Hill had a, a very interesting background where, you know, at Oklahoma State, when his first stop, he was more of a, you know, punt returner and a running back. He was. used them, you know, kind of a, on a lot of different gadgets and so forth. And then he had some issues there, ended up at West Alabama or, you know, a smaller school to finish out his career. And he kind of, you know, came into the league with, you know, some issues, right? I mean, it was, they didn't want to take it. Many teams didn't even have him on their board, but at the time, 
uh, you know, the Chiefs, you know, new regime. Uh, you know, they they took a shot, and he's really built himself into you know a, a halfway decent route runner. He doesn't just run the go routes, the deep over routes, uh, a lot more jet sweeps as the way the the offense is gone. But yeah, it's really difficult. Keenan Allen might be like the most underrated great player in the NFL. I mean, you just, it, it's rare that you hear him in these top lists. But yeah, like I said, I, w- I had a hard time with that one too. It was finally just the difference was that, that fear, striking fear into the defense and being able to just change the game with one play. And uh, I wouldn't argue Keenan Allen in the top five ever. Keenan Allen is kind of like the modern day Jimmy Smith. Jimmy Smith was a wide receiver for the, the Jacksonville Jaguars, and he had a great career out there, but he was never like talked about as the guy. He was putting up like huge numbers, 100-plus receptions, over 1,000 yards for maybe like five, six, seven seasons, but he was never talked about with the, the Chris Carters and the Jerry Rice and the Tim Browns. But, I mean, he deserved to be in that conversation. All right, Lou, surprise me with your picks this okay, week. Okay, well, we've reached that part in the show where the pick segment comes out, and I have to say uh, we had a pretty decent week. Three and one, three and one. We had Carolina minus one and a half at the time. Obviously, we didn't know if Bridgewater was playing. He went down. It ended up Detroit was minus three. Anyway, they shut him out. Carolina winner. Washington minus one and a half. Uh, I know you want to you know, talk a little bit about Burrow here in a bit, but that was that was unfortunate and very difficult to watch. Uh, it was just ironic that Alex Smith was there with him, and I'm sure he gave him some words of encouragement. And uh, just that field, and uh, it was just a gruesome thing. Uh, Houston, you mentioned them earlier. They won outright against New England. The ugly game of the week came through. And one of these days, I will learn not to pick Atlanta. Uh, they were plus five. Taysom Hill kind of came in, was very efficient, which was a little bit of a surprise. Uh, did his thing running the ball. But uh, in the second half, the New Orleans defense just completely shut them down. Only gave up nine points. And I think that's a real story, what the New Orleans defense has been doing over the last few weeks. But not eight sacks, Lou. I mean, eight yeah, sacks against Matt Ryan. I mentioned, I mean, I that's, mentioned a, Hen- that's an insane number. I mentioned Hendrickson earlier. Does, I mean, he's like the least known guy out there. He's tied for the lead, lead in sacks with nine and a half, Miles Garrett. But it's not this week because it looks like somehow Atlanta has worked their way into this week's selections. Atlanta plus three versus the Raiders. If they had won the game against the Chiefs, maybe this would be even a stronger play. But I think just the fact that they played really strong and whatever, they might be feeling themselves a little bit too much. Traveling across the country, again, I always put a big stock in that. Playing the early window, Atlanta's plus three. Raiders are favorites on the road. That's significant. That shouldn't really happen, I don't think, in this in this game. But uh, I'm going to go with Atlanta again plus three over the Raiders. Oh, no, Lou. Stop it with Atlanta. Stop (laughs) it. I mean, when are you going to pick 
against I don't them know. instead I don't know. of I just, going I with them. I mean, I when are we going to learn? I don't know. Are we living in the past? Are we, are we talking about the same Atlanta Falcons that went to the Super Bowl that year? Or are we talking about the, the One of these Atlanta weeks, they're going to get it done, Alex, and you're going to say, I know they I knew, will. It's like the I Houston knew ten- when that, he made that pick. But uh, another game. West Coast team coming east. I was a little frightful with this line only being five and a half. Buffalo minus five and a half against the Chargers. The Chargers, yes, they they finally won a game, but it was against the Jets. And again, they had to struggle to get it done. Buffalo kind of had, a, I, don't, I don't want to say a similar game, but they faced a pretty big name quarterback a few weeks ago, Russell Wilson, and were able to really slow them down enough to win the game by a pretty decent margin. So I'm going to go with Buffalo here. I rarely do this. Uh, another team going on the road. You talked about the Browns, whether I believe in them. Well, I'm going to put my money where my mouth is. I'm going to take the Browns minus six and a half or seven over the Mike Glennon uh, led Jacksonville Jaguars. Yes, he's been named the starter. So look for this number. Might even go up a bit. I don't know. But uh, right now, Bavada's got it at minus six and a half. So I'm going to go with the Browns. Oh, I got a Turkey Day special. My soft spot again for Alex Smith. I'm going to go with the Washington football team plus three over the Cowboys in Dallas. And then the ugly game of the week. You are going to love this one, Alex. My ugly game of the week, home underdog, traveling team against the team that doesn't like to play outdoors. I'm going to take Denver plus six over the Saints. Yes, the ugly game of the week. Go Broncos. You're just not a believer in Taysom Hill. I mean, most folks are are jumping on his bandwagon after what he did in the second half. And Sean Payton opened up the offense and we we got to see a, a glimpse of what Payton sees in practice and why he thinks so highly of Taysom Hill. I mean, he's let the entire world know that Hill is going to be his starting quarterback when Drew Brees walks away. But my God, you never learn with Atlanta. When they zig, when they zig, I zag, Alex. It's just one of those things. You picked. I would. You're picking Drew Lock. I would have picked. Drew would, Lock just won. I would. Lou. I mean, I would they, have they won. Picked. The Broncos can't win two straight games. I would have picked. They can't. I would have picked against them if Breeze was the quarterback in this game. That's how. That's how strongly I feel about the ugly game of the week, and that's why it is the ugly one. You got to have some stones to bet this one. It's just. It's not easy. I mean, yeah. I mean, they're Denver's horrible, but every year. Every week, some horrible team covers, like Houston did this week. They won the game outright. I'm looking for maybe the same magic. The Saints just are not the same team when they play outside, especially in any elements. I don't know what the weather is going to be in Denver this week, but there's always a chance there's going to be snow, cold, whatever. And I hate the Broncos. I absolutely, John Elway, I respect his game, whatever. But being a Chiefs fan, it was just one too many times, him bringing it back at the end of the game. Anyway, that's, uh, yeah, it's the ugly game of the week, man. Come on. Taysom Hill is used to the cold. He went to BYU. He played in the cold at Utah. So I I think he's going to be just fine in in Denver out there. In closing, I wanted to say that you and I talked about the Rams last week, but the NFL has to take notice of the Los Angeles Rams. They're just not being talked about as one of the best teams. You and I, Lou, we questioned their strength of schedule early on. They were only beating NFC East teams. But the past two weeks, they've beaten the Seahawks and now the Bucks on the road. They play good defense, they have a passing attack, they have two outstanding wide receivers, 
and are playing their best football right now. They're peaking. Sean McVay group is peaking, and it looks scary. I wouldn't want to face this team as they're they're chasing that NFC West title. And yeah, in closing, I wanted to say a few words about Joe Burrow. I, I wish him all the best in his recovery. I hope he comes back sooner than later. Obviously, he suffered a torn ACL and MCL injury, and it seems like there's some structural damage there. He gave Bengals fans hope that he can turn that franchise around. The local kid that grew up three hours away from from Cincinnati. I mean, he showed during his rookie season why they picked him number one overall. So why? Why do NFL teams fail to address their offensive line is beyond me. When you draft a franchise quarterback, draft a couple of bookends, give them some protection up front so you don't have to face an injury like this. Don't franchises learn from other franchises' mistakes? The Houston Texans completely disregarded to address the offensive line when David Carr was their franchise quarterback, was their number one overall pick. He took 70-plus sacks for a couple of seasons, and they just they didn't address the offensive line, and they ruined his career. I'm almost certain of it. Don't ruin Joe Burrow's career. Do not disregard to upgrade the big uglies up front. All right. With the third pick of the 2021 NFL Draft, Cincinnati selects Panay Sewell, offensive tackle from Oregon. Let's hope we hear that. We want to thank you folks for uh, listening in. Have a very happy Thanksgiving. Be safe out there. Wear a mask. Uh, wash your hands, watch your distance, whatever you got to do. We'll all get through this together. And as always, on the way out, we wish you peace!